sentence for you. That stake at Outback was rim stipulous. The only thing that would have been funnier than hearing him say that would be hearing him to try to spell it. I've got so many stories in here. Man, quick, let me tell you at least one quick story. It's been proven that there are times a pastor operates in the prophetic. I had a member tell me on a certain Sunday he came to the altar. He said while he was standing there, the pastor came by and laid hands on him and shouted, you will walk today. He said, I looked up at him and said, but pastor, I'm not crippled. He said, well, immediately he laid his hands back on me again and shouted even louder, I said you'll walk today. He said, I left the altar pretty confused that day. He said, until I walked out to the parking lot, and then I realized he was right. Somebody had stolen my truck. <laughs> I got all kinds of stories. Pastor, you've been my pastor. You've been my employer. You've been my mentor, my best friend, and most importantly, my brother in Christ. He's been an answer to my prayers after getting saved. I remember praying, Lord, I got to find a church now. And I've heard so much about the church being out in the world. I've heard all the good and the bad. I said, I've got to have a church, though. God, you got to find me one that where I go to it, the preacher preaches the word, believes the word, and lives the word. And I can testify confidently that he gave me that man and placing me and my family in the hands of Kent and Jenny Miller. We've had a David and Jonathan friendship. He has, he has strengthened my weaknesses, and I hope in some small way I have his. The most common thread to my story and every one of yours concerning our pastors, Kent and Jenny, is that I believe like you, they truly love God, and they truly love me. And pastor... Because you believed in me 25 years ago. I stand here today along beside you. And I have the privilege to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from this sacred pulpit. And also the privilege to love these same people that you love that I now call my family. For that I thank you. And would you let your pastors, Kent and Jenny, know one more time. The pastors of this church family... Let them know how much you love them for loving you unconditionally. If you, would, if you would remain standing for just another moment while I'm, I'm going to uh, get into the word of the Lord now. You know, what I'm fixing to do now is I'm going to continue to honor his ministry. But what I, he has expressed to me on several occasions, he's told me, if they want to honor me, honor me by doing what I love to do, preach. I'd rather have them talk about him than me. That is what pleases me. 
So, Pastor, I'm here to do my best. If you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. I don't plan to be long-winded today. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Not a Spirit, but the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, let me first proclaim to you, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is in this place today. Therefore, there ought to be liberty and freedom for God to move on you and through you. Now, verse 18. But we all say we all. No one is excluded with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of God, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Brother Marvin, would you pray, please? You may be seated. I believe this describes and confirms where this church is at today. We are being transformed by the Spirit of God, moving in this place upon us and through us, and taking us from glory to glory, from being fearful to being fearless, from being hopeless to hopeless, from being broken to being made whole, from doubting to believing, from being bound to being set free, from being afflicted to being healed. But God doesn't want us to stop here. There's more. God's wanting to take us from here to there. Well, where is there? A place we've never been in God before. A place he's prepared for us to go beyond here. Does anybody in here want to go from glory to glory, from here to there, to get somewhere where you've never been before in God before? Hallelujah. I don't know if you got the memo yet, but we have decided here at the Palace of Praise, we are not staying where we're at. We believe there's more of him beyond here. And we're moving on, and we're going to our promised land. It's been good being here, but we're going to go from here to there. I'm here to tell you today, the glory train is leaving. And the last thing you're going to hear before I leave here today is for me to shout, all aboard. We don't want nobody to stay behind, but we ain't going to stay here no longer. Being here has been good, but we believe going there is going to be better than where we have been. We have been here too long. The Spirit of God is a spirit that moves upon the earth. It does not settle in mediocrity or stagnant waters. He thrives and he dwells in a church that makes him Lord. The liberty allows him to take us from glory to glory, crossing the bridge of affliction to a place of victory, creating us to be more and more in his image. He refuses to move in a place of complacency. He moves in a place where there is liberty. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is transformational power that will take us from here to there, from glory to glory. He took me from a sinner to a saint. Hallelujah. But God ain't through with me yet. 
He that has begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ returns. The glory train is coming through. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you going? Now, I'm trying to start a sermon, but I feel like with the help of the Holy Ghost, I could start a revival today. Glory. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm coming out of something today, and I'm going somewhere that I've never been before. Is there anybody in here that wants to go with me? Come on. I got a disclaimer to make. I'm not responsible for anything that happens in here today. You and I are living in the greatest season of transition. The world has ever known both in and out of the church. And we must realize you and I were saved for such a time as this. Everywhere we look, we're witnessing unprecedented changes all around us. We're seeing socialistic changes, political changes, technological changes, economical changes, cultural changes. And I want the church to understand we are not exempt from change while everything is transitioning around us. We must too. We as a body of Christ should not be standing like a cow staring at a new gate. I told you last week we've already had prophetic insight to what's coming. It's found in the Word of God. And we must understand what is taking place on the earth has not taken God by surprise because God knew the ending from the beginning. He has a plan for these changes. He knew this hour of time was coming. He told us in his word that it's coming. He done went before us and done been where we are going. He said, when sin doth abound, so much more will my grace abound in these days. Hallelujah. We've got to prepare for these changes as a church. We're not to change our beliefs, not our doctrines, not one dot or tittle of the gospel message, but we've got to change the methods of how we reach this generation. It's time to stop the flighting and land and stand on the Word of God. We can't win a spiritual battle without having a spiritual church. It's not by drawing a sword like Peter did. It's not done by hiding out from the enemy in the cave like Gideon did. It's about going out there and showing the love of Christ to a lost and a dying world. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the stronghold. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. Prayer is still our most powerful weapon. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It's our faith that can move these mountains. Our fight's not with flesh and blood. Our fight's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual weakness in high places. And we are instructed by the Word of God in 1 Peter 5 and 8 to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It didn't say for the church to be a vigilante. It said to be vigilant. The word vigilant, he uses, means to be alert, aware of a danger around us. Because to be a vigilante means a self-appointed person who takes things into his own hands without the authority to. And God wants to communicate with a church that has an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. God still speaks to his people. He still speaks to his prophetic leaders, to the watchmen on the wall, what he's up to. And I believe we've been called to be partakers of his prophetic plan. God wasn't caught off guard, but I believe the church was. 
I believe we fell asleep on our watch and we've slept way too long. And because of the world is out to change the church, because the church quit fighting to change the world. And if we don't wake up and stand up, we're going to fail as a church. And we're going to be responsible in our watch for producing a generation that does not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. While they'll be serving the gods of self and the gods of worldliness, they will be lead, led by like sheep to a slaughter. But I say, not my son, not my daughter. It's time to draw the line in the sand. I'll stand as a voice crying in the wilderness. We must have an answer for the mess we're living in, church. And we do, and it's called the Word of God. It's the only absolute truth that can, they can find in the midst of this deception. And we must know it, and we must share it, not just in here, but out there. If we never share it out there, they will never be in here. The church was built. Excuse me. The church wasn't built for a place for us to hide in, a place to land in. No, it was built to be a launching pad. It's time we quit being so concerned with the number of people coming in and be more concerned about how many are we sending out to spread the gospel. Because if we'll go out, God will send them in. We are to go to the highways and the byways and love them and compel them to come in. And compel means to make them know the importance of it and tell them how important they are to the king and give them an invitation to the wedding. The church was birthed as a living organism by the power of God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, made up by men and women, saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost, ready to prophetically give an answer for the problems plaguing our society. The root of it all is sin, and the answer to it all is Jesus. Everything is fastly changing. The only thing that isn't changing is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have been commanded to be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that, you labor, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What was sin then is still sin today. It's not changed, but it sure has been compromised. And as a result, this is where we're at today. Everybody wants to do what they believe is right in the sight of their own eyes. As a church, we've been a lot of places. And God has brought us this far. But God sent me to tell you it's time to cross over from here to there. That the Spirit of God is going to transform us from who people thought we were into who God said we were. We cannot remain any longer who we were. It's time to be who we're called to be, witnesses of his grace. Hallelujah. There's a mandate on this church. There's people in here who are ready to go where they've never been before, ready to cross over to go from here to there. They aren't afraid of the giants in this land. I say they must be kin to Caleb and Joshua. Caleb was an older man representing the older generation that was not afraid. Joshua was a younger man representing a younger generation who's not afraid. That's why I know they must be your kinfolk because today we still got an older and a younger generation that's not afraid of the giants in this land that bleeds together. We can have what God has promised us, and it's time to go get what God has promised us. We got older men shouting, give me my mountain, and we got a younger generation saying, send me, oh Lord, send me. 
Am I talking to the right crowd today? I'm talking to those who are ready to cross over to the other side, ready to grow stronger in the Lord. Everybody wants God to do something he hasn't done in here. Yet God is waiting for you to do something you ain't never done in here. We're wanting God to move, and God's wanting us to move when he moves. Who's ready for God to move in return? Who's ready to move? I'm ready to do something I've never done before. I'm ready to see something I've never seen before. I'm ready to step into some place I've never been before. I'm ready to go to a deeper depth of God than I've ever been before. And to do so, it's imperative that we be transformed and be willing to change and desire more of him. Everything else around us is changing, and not all for the better. But it is time for the church to change for the better, to make things better. You see, we don't follow the changing culture. It's our responsibility to develop a culture that is conducive to Christian living that honors God. It's time for the palace of praise to be the catalyst of the change that is needed, to lead this generation and the ones to come into God's blessings. A remnant church is not a dead church. It's a full-of-life church because the breath of God is breathing on it. It's to be full of prophetic voices and signs and wonders and miracles and praise and worship and fervent prayers where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are fully operating in the body. It's not to be lethargic or complacent or a burdensome place. It's to be a refuge of hope and blessing, a place where we gather as believers giving God blessing and honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Because the time is here and the days are no longer to be wasted because heaven is closer than it's ever been before. I'm telling you, it's imperative in this hour that we be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We've come a mighty long way from our humble beginnings on Ninth and Cedar with just seven people. But it's time to transition, to go from here to there, from glory to glory. This room is full of men and women who have come from broken harm, homes, have come from abuse, have come from drug and alcohol addictions, that have come from bondage, that have come from religion, that have come from fornication, by the grace of God to where you are now. But I've come to tell you with God, there's always more. It's about more than just a journey. It's about a destination. Have you reached your destination? I don't think any of us have until we've gone home to be with the Lord. But while we are still here, every step we take with God is to take us to a better place. We've not arrived, but God wants to take us from surviving to thriving. My opening scripture is specific in God's plan for the church. He wants to transform us. He wants to take us from glory to glory. Right in the midst of of this hell that's been unleashed upon this earth. And you can't get there unless you're willing to let the Holy Ghost transform you. If you're still where you were 20 years ago, if you still act like you did 20 years ago, if you still look like you did 20 years ago, then you truly haven't encountered the Holy Ghost in the last 20 years, and you are to be filled and refilled. Because when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't help but change. It will transform you. It will change things about you. It will cause you to grow spiritually. Your worship will grow. Your prayer life will grow. Your giving will grow. Your marriage will grow. All for the better.
Hallelujah. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Why? Because it has the power to transform, transform you from a desire for the things of the world to a desire for the things of the Lord. Where you'll shout a little louder. You'll sing a little louder. Matter of fact, it's too quiet in here right now for this to be a Pentecostal church. Somebody full of the Holy Ghost who's unashamed needs to stand up and give God a shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's the sound of transformation. That's the sound of liberty, which confirms that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I didn't say a word, the Lord can take it from right there. Hallelujah. Pentecost was a man's ideal. It was God's ideal. Sent by him from the portals of heaven to empower the church in these last days to be his witnesses. It was a transforming moment that birthed the blueprints of the last day church. Assuring us we would have the power we need to overcome the world. Strong enough that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. It was a transition that compelled the church to take what it had received in there to the streets out there. And that day, 3,000 people were saved. Because of the power the Holy Ghost gave them to witness. I want to tell you something. I'm still being transformed. I'm not who I used to be 25 years ago. I'm not singing in nightclubs anymore, and I've changed my dance floor. I don't have to drink to have fun anymore. I'm not cursing nobody anymore with my tongue. I'm speaking blessings over you. I'm learning how to love like never before. I'm learning how to laugh like never before. I'm learning how to live like never before because there's a fire down in my bones that's igniting my passion for the things of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you that's also in Jesus Christ. God's not done with me yet. God's not done with you yet. He wants to take me. He wants to take you from glory to glory. I don't know what's there. I don't know what that holds for me. But I know if he's taking me, it's going to be better for me. It's going to make me more like him. Now, sadly, there's too many churches that don't have any breath left in them today. They got no desire to go forward. They're just comfortable where they're at. They sit on a piece of ground like they're nothing more than a piece of real estate that nobody wants. Hmm. They become weary and well-doing. They become complacent. Spiritual rigor morris has set in. If the church doesn't have the breath of God in it, it's dead. Now, how many of you know the breath of God gives life to dead things? In Genesis 2, as God created man, he made him out of the dust of the earth. He formed the dust into a body like a sandman. But it had no life until he breathed his breath into his nostrils and he came alive. 
Ezekiel had quite an experience too. He comes upon a pile of bones, dead bones in a valley. And the Lord asked him, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel said, only you know, Lord. God said, Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Ezekiel said, as I was prophesying, there was a noise of a rattling sound. And the bones began to come together. And they were covered with tendons and with flesh. But there was no life in them. Then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath. Say it to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds. And breathe into these slain that they may live. Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood upon their feet as a vast army. They went from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me out here. I'm no Ezekiel, but I've been sent to prophesy to the church. God wants to breathe his breath on the church again to give it life so it can stand up like a mighty army in these last days. Oh, God, send your breath from the four winds of the earth. Send it from the north. Send it from the south. Send it from the east. Send it from the west, God. Bring this church back alive. Well, glory. <laughs> Too many churches got no breath with them. They got programs. They got structures. They got deacon boards. And some of them serve the best chicken dinners. And some of them have the best Sunday evening singings that are so enjoyable but they don't got the breath in them. There is no life. The spirit can't move. They're not being transformed. They're just going through the mechanics and the formalities. They just have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're just holding on and surviving, making no impact for the kingdom. They're saved. They're going to heaven, just us 24, and we ain't taking anymore. While it's God's desire to transform them and take them from glory to glory, we are to work while it is still day. Hallelujah. Who wants to give up the worldly pleasures for a cold, dead, dry religion that doesn't have enough power to heal a flea? The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is Lord, there's liberty. If God's not moving, it's because we won't let him. You know, it's not about being a mega church. It's about being a spiritual church. And if a church is spiritual, it can't help but grow. Because the hurting and the lost and the broken are looking for a new life. And when they walk in here, they have got to find life in here. They have got to find love in here. They have got to find liberty in here. And they've got to find freedom in here. They've allowed them to change and be transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. We've been blessed to have had life-changing experiences here. But there's more. 
God wants to take us from a mist to a river, from a rain to a flood, from a hit and miss to a constant flow, from an occasional powerful service to perpetual revival. One that will harvest souls for the kingdom of God. That's when it's about the church being the church. The Bible tells us before Adam was put in the garden that the earth was watered by a mist that came up from the ground. But when he was put in the garden, God sent a river to water it. Do you see the transition? How God increased the flow, needed to grow? There was more. God knew for what Adam was now called to do to cause the garden to grow, a mist alone couldn't do it. <laughs> Somebody better hear me right here. It's time for the church to move from a mist mentality to a river mentality if we want to make the kingdom of God grow. See, a mist mentality says, well, let's start at 11. Let's be, make sure we're done by 12. A mist mentality says, Sunday morning is enough. A mist mentality says, don't let the spirit interrupt the order of the service. A mist mentality says, don't prophesy. Don't lay hands on the sick. The Bible says, though, that when the river flowed through it, it gave life to everything it touched. Now, that, whoo, that's a great analogy of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves through here like a river, it will give life to everything it touches. Uh, <laughs> Give me a minute. In the book of Ezekiel, it tells of how God showed Ezekiel a vision of the temple and how the water flowed through it and out of it, symbolic of his plan for the Spirit. Ezekiel, speaking of the river in Ezekiel 47, said that he saw water flowing out from under the threshold of the temple unto the east. And it says, whatsoever the river touched, it lived, brought life to it. Trees growed along the banks because of the river touching it, because it touched the ground they were planted in as it flowed by. He said he saw fishermen who were standing by the river bank, and they were throwing their nets in and catching every kind of fish and exceedingly many. The glory of the God in Ezekiel 43 is described as a sound of many waters. And God used the subject of water to show Ezekiel in a vision how that like the water, the Spirit of God was going to move through the temple and even flow out of it to bring life to everything in it and around it. He said that when the river reaches the sea, its waters will be healed. He was speaking of the nation. When the glory of God moves through the church, it flows out these doors through its people, the people of the church. It'll be like a river, and it will bring life to the dead things out there. And when it reaches this nation, it will bring healing to it. Yeah. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important for the Lord to move up on you in here so that he can move through you out there. So through you, the Spirit of the Lord can bring life to everything you touch, to everyone you touch. For you to water the harvest so it can grow. That's how the glory flows. And to go from glory to glory is when we change from building a church and hoping they come in here so we can tell them to take them what we received in here out there and tell them so the house, his house, may be full. 
This is still the New Testament church. Am I right? That has been empowered by the Holy Ghost to reach the world for God. Now, the Bible said as the river began to flow from the people, from the temple, fishermen would stand on the banks and they'd throw their nets in. By doing so, they'd catch every kind of fish, just like you would see in the sea, it said. And that's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit moves like a river through us out there. We're going to catch every kind of fish, exceedingly many. It's important to note, though, that Jesus had them, that the fishermen used a net. See, when you go with fishing with Jesus, he don't use a pole. He uses a net. Because you see, with a pole, you're only trying to catch a certain kind of fish. Redfish. Whitefish. Or blackfish. A rich fish. Fish that look just like you. Fish that act just like you. To build a systemic church based upon likes and not love. That'll preach. That's how the church has been fishing for a harvest for way too long. And God says if we really want a harvest, it's time for the church to cast our nets out in the river that's flowing from the threshold of the temple. So that when we bring the nets in, there's going to be exceedingly many fish, red, yellow, black, and white. They're all going to be precious in his sight. Come on, somebody. It's time to transition from it's not all about me, it's about thee. God wants to make the church fishers of men again. So why did I bring up this thing about the river? Because for those who may have forgot or maybe you never heard, it's been prophesied by men of God who don't go here, who have passed through here. Men have had visions of this church who have seen the Spirit of God like a river flowing from this church out them doors just like Ezekiel described. They would say, I've seen your church, and it was like a river flowed out of it, touching this region and giving it life. The river that flowed in the garden and out of it, it grew legs, and it flowed into others, one that went to the north, one that went to the east, the south, and the west. And God is wanting his spirit to move through this church and pour out into this region to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Through you, through you, through you, through all of you, it's his plan. From the garden, it poured into four places. Listen to the names of the other rivers it poured into and the meanings, and it will describe what the river, his spirit has brought to the land. The first one, if I pronounce them right, Pison means increase. It brought increase to the land. The second one, Gehan, means a bursting forth. The third river was named Hidekel, which means an acceleration. It brought an acceleration. And the Euphrates meant fruitfulness. In other words, this is what comes upon the Lamb when the Spirit of God has a liberty to move in you and through you. And if we don't answer this call, we're living way beneath our privileges.
because we have been chosen by God to be a remnant church in these last days that's going to be significantly used to reach the last day harvest. And in order to do that, it's time for transition to be transformed into a body of believers ready to go from glory to glory. These times we are living in calls for transformation of the church, for a reformation of the church. And reformation means to set it back in order. It's not a time to be a seeker-friendly church. It's time to be a spiritual church, flowing in the anointing of God, empowered by the Holy Ghost. We can't go back, and we can't stay where we're at. We must cross over. We must go from here to there. And we will never, if we remain silent, if we remain redundant, if we remain subtle and comfortable, if we fear our giants, we must transition from the church as usual to the church of the unusual. See, everybody's looking for a cool church where change is not required to simply be as you are. I believe in coming here as you are, but I believe you shouldn't leave like you came in the name of Jesus. I don't want a cool church. I want to be part of a prophetic, powerful church. I don't want a now lay me down to sleep praying kind of church. I want a church that when it prays, it prays fervently with moanings and groanings which cannot be understood that operates in the nine gifts of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gifts of prophecy, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, the discerning of spirits, the different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of the tongues. I want a church that is alive, that the breath of God is still breathing on. How about you? Come on. Come on, church. Do you agree? Come on. Hallelujah. Let the Lord have his way for a moment. Come on. Caleb's got it. Woo! Brother Nice Wonger's like a Caleb. Give me my mountain. Woo! And there's a generation over there that says, send me, O Lord. Send me, O Lord. Woo! I want to go where the Spirit still has the liberty to move upon us. And he can take us from glory to glory. Creating us more and more into his image. Now, how does all this tie in with pastor appreciation? It's easy to explain. Because of who is shepherding us. It's been Kent and Jenny Miller by the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit that has led us this far to where we're at today. We've been through a lot of transitions. But they didn't lead us to here this far to settle, to compromise. While everything around us has changed, they've always been committed to change for the betterment of the church while not changing one iota of doctrine or principle of the Word of God, by not cowering down to the giants in the land, by not conforming, by not compromising, we have been going from glory to glory through their leadership. We have remained Pentecostal to the core. That's worth shouting about. I will tell you, I've been in some churches that say they're Pentecostal, but when you go in there, they're a good Baptist at the best. Ain't nothing wrong with Baptists. Don't get them 
think I'm saying something wrong with Baptist. But I'm just saying when you're Pentecostal, you should be Pentecostal. <laughs> when I go into a chicken joint, I expect to get some chicken. When I go into a Pentecostal church, I expect to see the Holy Spirit move. I expect to hear tongues. I expect to hear somebody prophesy. I expect to see somebody run the aisles. I expect to see somebody get healed. I expect something to happen that I've never seen before. Woo! I thank the Lord that I'm Pentecost of all the things I could have been. Man, hallelujah. We've been through a lot together as a body. We've grown spiritually under their leadership. We've not fainted, nor have we failed. And it will be Kent and Jenny Miller, with the help of the Holy Ghost, who will lead us from here to there. By encouraging us to allow the Holy Spirit of God to take us from glory to glory. It's time for the transition to take place today that takes this body to a new place, a new level, a new depth in God that will conquer our present enemy's assault and cause the church to rise and shine and our enemies to be scattered and to be that river that will flow out of here into the streets, bringing life back to the church and the people it touches. Church, it's time. What are we going to do? Set and wait or go forward? Because as the world grows colder, the church has got to become hotter. Lukewarm won't do it. There's no longer any middle ground. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. I ask you, where are the God chasers? Where are the people who are not ashamed of the gospel? Where are the tongue-talking, devil-stopping heroes of the faith that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost with fire that are ready to rescue a lost and dying world? Are there any of them here? Praise God. I said I wasn't going to be long, but I didn't say he, was. he wasn't going to be. By the love of Christ and by the preaching of his word, we are his witnesses. It'll never be done using the gospel as a club. It'll be done by sharing his love. Where are the men and women, the young and the old, the servants of the most high God, who have counted their cost and are ready to pay the price, ready to fight the good fight, we don't need numbers. We don't even need the majority. If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, there's so many people that believe that. As our nation is being attacked, there's nothing they can do. Peter physically attacked his enemy with a sword. Jesus told Peter, put away your sword. Jesus spiritually attacked his enemies with God's love. And many say, well, we don't have the votes to change things. Can I tell you, it won't be the boats alone that get us through this darkness that plagues this nation. Don't put your hope in man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not a president who's ever lived or will ever live that can defeat the spiritual weakness in high places without the power of God. But if God can transform this church to be confident of this very thing, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And to believe this thing is not over until we win. Yeah. 
Where are the Gideons, you mighty men of valor? Where are the Moses declaring, let my people go? Where are the Davids declaring, you come with me, against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord? Where are the Deborahs? Where are the Joshuas? Where are the Caleb's? I'll tell you where they are. Many of them are sitting right here in this room. <laughs> Woo! Huh. Woo! I just can't quit doing that. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That arm will blow up one, two. We've got to make our minds up to go forward. It's time for a war cry to be heard in the land. We've got to sing a little louder. We've got to praise a little louder. We've got to pray a little longer. It's time to quit being imitators and procrastinators. Our reputation has got to change. If every sinful entity can come out of the closet and parade the streets of this city and attempt to affect this culture, then it's time for the church to come out of its cave and parade through the city with love and the gospel of Jesus Christ like a river and affect this culture. It's time to go from here to there. And quit being afraid of the giants in the land. We will win the loss when we quit trying to punish them and love them. You know, I've been a sinner. Maybe some of you too. I'm not so sure. Maybe you just went straight there. I don't know. Not according to the word of God. We was all born sinners. But I remember being a sinner. I knew what I was doing wrong. These people that are doing wrong, they know they're doing wrong. They don't need you to condemn them. What's missing? They need to tell you, to you to tell them God loves them and you love them. You hate the sin, but you love the sinner. Hallelujah. Until we are transformed in his image, we will come up short. I'm going to ask the pastors to come forward, Pastor Kent, Pastor Jenny, if you'd come forward and face me. Bring your family with you. Have them come up with you. Anybody claims they're kin to them, anybody who don't claim they're kin to them, you need to come up. I believe the glory train is about to pull up here in this place. Come on, somebody. I told you we got to change. I want everyone that's ready to go from glory to glory with our pastors. Those who want to say, I want to be on board, I'm going to ask you to come. Stand behind them to show them. You've led us this far, Pastor, and we believe through your leadership, God's going to take us to a new place through you. Let's gather around. So many times people, well, there's not no, there's some room. We go over here. I don't care if you come here and stand on the stage behind me. I don't care. I'd like my musicians to come. Whoo, look at this. Look at this. Look at all the people who ain't where they used to be. But I'm looking at people who don't want to be where they always, they always been. I'm looking at people who want to go somewhere else. I'm looking at people that ain't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, ready to go forth, ready to go to a deeper death of God, 
I want to speak to you. By you coming, you're saying, I'm ready for the transition. I'm ready to be transformed. I'm ready for the Spirit of God to move on me, in me, and through me. I'm ready to change. I'm tired of the usual. I'm ready for the unusual. I'm ready to be called peculiar. I am Pentecostal. I'm ready to get out of, get out of where I've always been. Uh, you're coming today saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready, Pastor. Because, Pastor, I know you're ready. I'm ready. Then I want you to lift up your hands to me, up to, to the Lord today, and I want you to hear me prophesy. Get them hands up. Come on, church. Hear us, O oh Lord. O oh God, send your breath from the four winds of the earth this day upon this body. Let it be a sign of things to come. Let it be a significant marker of when we crossed over. God, send your breath from the north. Send your breath from the south. Send your breath from the east. Send your breath from the west. And breathe on us, Holy Spirit, so that the church may be alive again. Oh, God, take us from surviving to a thriving church. Take us from a mist to a river. And let your spirit flood this place, overflowing into the streets of this city. Let revival begin right here, right now. All aboard! As they begin to sing, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to worship in this place, unashamed, and ask God to transform you into more and more like him. Come on, somebody. It's time to step into a place you've never been before. It's time to do something you never did before. If you guys would, go ahead. Come on. Let God do what he wants to do. Let God move in you, then let God move through you. Hallelujah. Wandering through the night. Come on, church. Wanting a place to hide this weary soul. This bag of bones. I tried with all of my might. Don't look back. I just can't let the fight. I'm slowly drifting. There ought to be some praise in this place. And just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me.
what God has done through this leadership, this man and woman of God who answered the call, who've been through hell and back because of it, never wavered. Look what God has done. So when you sing it one more time before we leave here, I want you to sing it with your I thank God. I want you to tell God, I thank God. Come on, sing it. This get up, your get up, one. get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Tell the pastor them how much you love them if you like.